This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning. You know, the Lord Jesus said in uh, John 16, 33, said, In this world, in this unbelieving world, you will face tribulation, troubles and sorrows and frustrations, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so when you see testimonies like that, doesn't mean like it's always easy, but when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you live for him, God is always right on time, okay? So that's a word for someone in here. God's on time. He hadn't forgot you. Well, I greet all of you today in the name of Jesus. If you're watching by live stream, we pray your ble- uh, the blessing of God upon you. I know there are many of you that are battling symptoms in your body. We speak blessings over you. Some of you in this uh, sanctuary right now are in need of a miracle. And I believe we serve a miracle working God. So watch what God's going to do. If you've got a Bible, go with me. The book of Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. Still on our series, The Blessing. So we're going to dive in here. If you are a note taker or a follower of the Word of God... I'm going to be in number six, then I'll jump back into the New Testament, into Matthew chapter five. So we begin here, number six, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And that was last week. You can go back and listen to that uh, podcast. Verse 25. And the Lord make his face shine upon you. Now, this is the only one we're going to take today. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. So as I read that right here, here's the question that comes up from this. Why would God want to make his face shine upon you? What would be God's purpose to make his face shine upon you? Go with me back into the New Testament to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to try to answer some of that biblically today. And you're going to see some things. So as you jump into Matthew 5, just a reference if you're a scholar of the Bible or you enjoy digging into the Bible. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7 is what is termed the Sermon on the Mount. And so if we were to start in Matthew 5 earlier on, verses 3 through 11 He uses this word blessed, and what he literally does here is the word blessed indicates large or long duration. It also means supremely blessed, special joys. But in verses 3 through 11, it's a pronouncement of a blessing, but also an an explanation for the blessing. I I encourage you to read verses 3 through 11 on your own. Just incredible passage. But we're going to start in verse number 13. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now, you may want to highlight that, okay? It says, you are the salt of the earth. You and me, we're we're the salt of the earth. Is so better stated, your life is to be salt among the people of the earth. Keep reading. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? If the salt becomes bland or it loses its strength, how shall it be flavored? Now, what was the it? 
The it was the people of the world. And so he's talking about that if I lose my flavor, and when you think about salt, salt has the ability to flavor, it has the ability to season, it has the ability to, to be a preservative. Also, we know that, man, salt causes you to be thirsty. So when he's talking here that if a salt loses its flavor, what happens? It is then good for nothing. One translation says right off of it that it becomes foolish. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, salt many times is equated with wisdom. So when salt keeps its flavor, the wisdom of God comes upon me. And he goes on to say, but if it's good for nothing, but it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So when we become too much like the world, we get trampled underfoot. So literally, could this be why God said that his face would shine upon you? You're called to be the salt of the earth. Keep reading verse 14. You are the light of the world. One translation says, here's a better way to say it. You're here to be the light of the world. And so there's a conflict that goes on between the kingdom of God and this darkness that's here on the earth. And if I'm not careful, I forget my purpose for existing. My purpose for existing is not just to go through 30, 40, 50, 70 years of this life. It's I'm called to be salt and I'm called to be the light of this earth. So he says, a city that's set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. So literally stating here, the kingdom citizens, which is me and you, were salt and light. And it indicates our influence that is supposed to penetrate secular society. This is what we're called to do and to be. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Now for verse 15 to come alive to you. There's a little Sunday school song that many of you remembered years ago. And it was like this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush? Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. And I believe this is what the Lord Jesus is telling me in you. I created you to be light. I, I created you to be salt. I created you to be a city, a beacon that's set on the hill. You're the difference makers in this earth. Verse 16, let your light so shine before man or let your light shine before mankind that they may see your good works, your good deeds, your moral excellence. And so what he's telling me here, they are to see my good works. They're to see how I serve, and they're to see how I give, and I become a living model for people to see this. See, again, we're not called to rule, we're called to serve. Every one of us, and he goes on to end this verse, and he says, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So you weren't meant to be hidden, you weren't meant to be disguised, 
God has purpose for us. And so when I go back to the blessing, God wants to shine upon you. Wants to shine upon your students and your children. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 60. And as you're turning here to Isaiah chapter 60, this was a, a, a prophecy that Isaiah gave. And I, I believe it's very appropriate for the times we live in right now. Isaiah 60 verse 1. And he starts with two words and he says, Arise and shine. A, a call to awakening. God's people from disobedience in order to avert disaster. So he says, Arise and shine. The, the message right here says, get out of bed, wake up. Remember where you used to be. The Amplified says, arise, shine from the depression from which circumstances have kept you. And so when we see the word shine there, it's literally to mean we are to be radiant for the kingdom of God. So he goes on to say, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Why is the glory of the Lord risen upon you? For behold, the darkness shall cover or be wrapped around the earth. Do you know we live in a society that's gripped by darkness from the devil? From the enemy, he deceives, he distracts. And he goes on to say this. And deep darkness, the people, or deep darkness, has sunk on all the people of the earth. And so darkness affects all people. People are darkness, but it affects the people. So what are we supposed to do? But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In this dark world, this is what we're called to do. Verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. You'll be radiant. The difference, you'll be radiant. You'll become who God meant for you to be. And your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. So when I read this, I believe we live in a time where God's desire is to rise and to shine. And I ask you this question. Do you need to wake up spiritually? Do you need to get out of your, your bed spiritually? Do you need to allow the Lord to, to grace you with the radiance of the things of the kingdom of God? Now turn with me back into the Old Testament to the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. And as you're turning there, here's the question I ask as you're turning there, and I call this the ripple effect. Will there be anybody in heaven because of you? Will, will anyone... Be influenced because of you and be in heaven. Arise and shine upon me, Lord. So I'm going to give you a little history here before we jump into this. We know the Israelites, they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness because they wouldn't obey God. 
And so this was in Moses' time. Well, Moses is dead when you get to Joshua, okay? So God, God puts this man named Joshua into charge. And he tells Joshua in Joshua 1, he said, listen, buddy, you're going to have to be strong and a good courage. He tells him that four times. And so Joshua gets word from the Lord. I want you to send two spies into the land of Jericho and spy it out. Now, a little history for you about the two spies. The first one is a man named Caleb. If we go back in history, when Moses sent the spies into the promised land 40 plus years before, remember he, spent, he sent 12 spies in there. Caleb was one of those 12. Caleb was one of them who said, we're well able to go in where the other 10 said, we can't do it. Now off of that statement right there, two said way, 10 said no way. But if I'm not careful, I get into a thing in my life where I follow the crowd. I follow the majority. Just because you can have a crowd or a majority doesn't mean it's of God. It doesn't mean it's necessarily spiritually either. And so when you see this, this was a man, and the reason I'm highlighting Caleb so strong here, that 40 years later, he's still serving God. You know what I call him? I call him an all-in man of God. This was a guy who ran the race with endurance. He never gave up. He never quit. And I believe this is a highlight for me and you. You got to stick with it. Stay with it. You know, in the Proverbs, it says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he's got to get back up. Some of you get back up. The second spy that was sent in was a man we studied a couple weeks ago in the book of Numbers 25, a man named Finus. Now, let me help you remember this guy. There was an ungodly prophet named Balaam, and remember, Balaam wanted to curse the Israelites, but he said, I can't curse who God blesses. But he said, I know how I can get the Israelites to curse themselves. We'll bring around a bunch of women, and they'll get into sexual sin, and they'll begin to worship other gods. Well, that's what took place. And remember, Finus is the one that got so upset with how ungodly that he took that spear and he jabbed it right through that man and woman. And the Bible says, this is Numbers 25, it stopped the plague. So I look at this guy named Finus, and you know what I see? Another man that said, I'm all in. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to trust God. So Joshua sends these two spies into an area called Jericho. When they go into Jericho, God supernaturally leads them into the city. And guess where they land at? They land at a woman named Rahab's house who's a harlot. And the reason God leads them there is because there's a lot of traffic going in and out of there day, day after day. And he knows they can go in and they won't be seen. Now let me give you a little insight before we get into this. If this woman named Rahab gets caught for harboring these spies, she dies. So they landed at her house, Joshua 2 verse 9. And the reason I'm reading this here today is you're going to see how God likes to shine on the hearts of people. He wants to shine on you, okay? Verse 9. 
And she said to the men, Rahab, I know that the Lord, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of their land are faint-hearted because of you. So she says, we're afraid of you guys. We're in terror of you guys because of your God. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who are on the other side of the Jordan, Sahan and Og, and whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So this woman here, she says to these guys, your God is the all-powerful God. Your God is the supreme God. She makes such an incredible statement, she says, that your God is the God in the heavens and the earth. In other words, there is no other God but yours. This was this woman's declaration that she talks to him about. Verse 12. Now, therefore, I beg you, Swear to be by the Lord since I have shown you kindness and mercy that you also will show kindness and mercy to my father's house and give me a true token. Give me a promise. Give me a guarantee. Now I want you to hold that thought here just for a second because today I'm going to show you biblically where God's going to give you a true promise and a guarantee that'll take you right into eternity, okay? It's when you live here, leave here today, you can look and say, I got a guarantee from my father. Now watch her, watch her prayer in verse 13. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So you know what her prayer was? Don't just save me, my mama, my daddy, my brothers and sisters, and all my nieces and nephew. And if you'll notice what she said, spare us from death. Now this was this woman who was a prostitute's prayer. You know, we were at Tuesday night prayer the other night. And one of the men of our church said that one of his brothers had gotten hit on a motorcycle. And he said, I have a number of brothers and my mom is 93. And she, he said, none of them serve God. None of them know Jesus. So we got together and we prayed over him that God would heal him, but God, also that he wouldn't have an encounter with God. My father, my mother. My brothers, my sisters, my nieces and nephews. So again, her prayer was about people. So this was the guy in our church's prayer. He tells me yesterday that they had to air vac his, his brother into an, a hospital in Albuquerque, do immediate surgery on his leg. He comes out of the surgery and he tells his wife that while I was in surgery... I went to hell. 
He visited hell. You know what I believe this was? I believe this was the prayer of his brother that said, Father God, do something to get my family's attention. And you know what they said? I hope this sticks. And you know what this guy said? It stuck. I said, I'll guarantee you. You, you take little field trips to hell, it'll scare the hell out of you. Literally. You can tweet that out. I said that, okay? Keep reading here. Pick up with me in verse 17. This is how powerful your prayers are, guys. Woo, watch now. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. We heard your prayer. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. Now what did they say? You got to let this scarlet cord down and let it hang from your window. Now, you know what the scarlet cord is representative of, don't you? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Verse 19. So shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house in the street, his blood shall be upon his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever was with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business is ours, then we'll be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. You know what the definition of the word so be it is or the phrase of so be it is? Amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20 and all the promises of God through Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Yes and so be it. So she marks and says, amen. I'm in agreement with what you said. Now look how this verse ends. And she sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. So what she's talking about here is when they come into the, 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 the city of Jericho, and they see that scarlet cord. You know what it says? Their sins are washed. You know what it says? Judgment will pass over their home. It also says this home has been marked as overcomers by the blood of the lamb. And that was the token right here that she hung out of her window. And so that was the guarantee. You want a guarantee? It's the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing that matters for me and you. That was her prayer for her family. I need a guarantee for my family. And they said, here it is right here. So God remembered this woman named Rahab for her faith, not for her profession. So every time in your life that you feel like a failure, you feel like God could never use me, remember Rahab the harlot. She rose above her situation. She didn't allow her past. She didn't allow her lifestyle. She didn't allow her background to stop God from saving her and her family. Now, oftentimes, this is how we look at things as human beings. We have the thought, three strikes, you're out. This is a Gentile. 
This is a woman and this is a harlot. And we have the thought, she's out. God could never use her. So when I begin to think of this woman here, if we were to describe this woman, we would probably describe her life as dysfunctional. The word dysfunctional means a failure in normal function. That would probably define every one of us in here. That we all come from some form of dysfunctional. So what do you do to get the dis out of your function? The only way I get the dis out of my function is I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. And I live under the blood of Jesus day by day by day. I'm going to give you a little help right here. You live under the blood of Jesus Every day of the week that ends in Y. Pastor, every day ends in Y. Exactly. See, what normally happens when we have dysfunction in our life, we look to everybody but Jesus to take care of us. And I've seen this for years. You need to save my kids. You need to save my marriage. You need to do this and this and this. Well, the truth of the matter, I can't save anybody. Only Jesus can. I'm not the answer. Warren's not the answer. Glory is not. Jesus is the answer. I'll point you to the answer. And it was that token called the scarlet cord. So the reason I'm highlighting this is God shined upon this woman named Rahab. How do you know that? Do you know eight prophets are descendants from Rahab? Including one named Jeremiah. So if Jeremiah is a descendant of Rahab, you know what that tells me? Because of the blood of Jesus, because of that scarlet cord, the disc was knocked out of her function and she lived for God year after year after year. Now, to help you a little bit more with this, if we had time, we would go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you've ever studied Hebrews 11, that's the Faith Hall of Fame. If you're in the Faith Hall of Fame, you had dysfunction in your life, and you allowed Jesus' blood to wash you, and it marked you as an overcomer. You don't get in the, the Faith Hall of Fame by accident or coincidence. You get in there on purpose because you serve Jesus. If we were to go to Hebrews 11.31, you would find Rahab the harlot in the Faith Hall of Fame. You know what this tells me? This is a woman who stuck it out day by day by day. She kept serving God her entire life. I'm going to knock the religion out of some of you. She goes from a hoe to a Hall of Famer. Tweet that one out. Pastor said, you know the reason I say that? I'm not trying to be funny. I, I want you to see the significance. 
that her background didn't disqualify her from her future. It was a God that said, I'll use anything that will come under my blood and become the salt of the earth and become the city that's set on a hill. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Ooh, get ready. Get ready. You're getting ready to be blessed, okay? Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Better stated, the bloodline or the family tree of Jesus Christ. Verse number 5. And Salmon begot Boaz. Wait a minute. Look at this. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. You know what this tells me? That the blood of Jesus went right through the bloodline of a harlot. And what happens is this, is she learned to understand, I'm going to allow him to say who I am. My past is not going to determine who I am. My relationship with Jesus. And so I look at this and I begin to think, can you imagine how many people in heaven are going to come up to her and say, I'm here as a result of you. And I would be willing to bet every one of us in this room, we could name at least one, two, three, four, maybe five people that in our life I can look when I get to heaven I'm going to say, Thank God you told me about Jesus. Thank God you, you led me to Jesus. Thank God you were the light and salt. But here's the bigger question. Will there be anybody in heaven that will say that to you? Woo. So it's easy to see this with this woman. That name was Rahab. And six of the eight times she's mentioned in the Bible, she's mentioned as Rahab the harlot. Let's get a little bit personal right now. If they said me, store me the, woo, I would have several adjectives that would describe me. And if we said glory of the, what would describe you? And if we said John the, what would describe you? Because I'll guarantee every one of us that would have something that would try to define us before Jesus. But oh, the only thing that causes us to be like is the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that still washes white as snow. I'm going to ask you to stand up right there where you're at today. See, Jesus wants to shine on us. He wants to shine on your children. You know what I found out about the Lord Jesus? He doesn't look at ability. He looks at availability. And he said, I'm, I'm just going to look to the ones that will surrender their heart to me. And so when I read some of these scriptures, let me ask you questions here. Has your salt lost its flavor? Remember, he said, if it has, it's, it's useless. Has your light been blown out? Is this a day that this is the alarm clock of heaven going off and saying, arise and shine? 
but even more so, what about us? Saying, Father God, I'm, I'm coming under the blood today. And I welcome your grace. You know, spiritual heroes in my life are people that stick with it day after day. Day after day. Just day. And I know many times people come in here and life has the ability to try to knock the faith out of you. And I see them week after week after week after week. And they don't just show up. Some serve, some give the different areas of their life to say, you know what, I'm here to be salt and light, but he's wanting us to move forward even to the areas of our family where we work. And so as they get ready to sing here today, and I welcome you to come down here. You know, think about this sense that many times when we try to define a miracle, we'd say, well, that would be in the area of, of healing. That would be a financial miracle. But if you were the mother or father of Rahab, you would say, I serve a miracle working God that my daughter who was a harlot is born again and saved and in heaven. I believe that may be the greatest miracle. So I said this. Lord, I know there'll be ones here today They have children, family members, That in the natural we could look and say, Billy Bob the drunk, Sally the liar. But we serve a God that heard the prayers of this woman. And they come under the scarlet cord and it changed everything. So I don't know the errors of your life that you're in a miracle today. You said this would be a miracle. But I believe God's, God's a miracle working God. And I, I welcome you down here. You're not coming for my benefit, but it's coming to say, Father God, we're going to put that scarlet cord on over our home. And we're never going to take it down in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and sing, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.